Good morning, buenos dias. Welcome to chapel. A special welcome to all the prospective students here for the campus open house. Today we have a special guest speaker here to tell her, her story of faith and migration. Jacqueline Garcia Salamanca is an advocate and organizer working in Veracruz State with a juicy service to migrants. She has worked tirelessly in migrant sending communities while also providing humanitarian support for migrants who are taking the dangerous journey northward. Jacqueline's work has also been to help strengthen those, family, those communities left behind by organizing empowerment and support programs for women and families of migrants. There will be somebody providing consecutive interpreting through her message. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew 25, 31 through 36. I will read it first in Spanish and then English. Mateo 25, 31 al 36. Cuando el Hijo del Hombre venga en su gloria, con todos sus ángeles, se sentará en su trono glorioso, todas las naciones se reunirán delante de él, y él separará a unos de otros, como separa el pastor las ovejas de las cabras. Pondrá las ovejas a su derecha y las cabras a su izquierda. Entonces dirá el Rey a los que estén a su derecha, vengan ustedes a quienes mi Padre ha bendecido, reciban su herencia, el reino preparado para ustedes desde la creación del mundo. Porque tuve hambre y ustedes me dieron de comer. Tuve sed y me dieron de beber. Fui forastero y me dieron alojamiento. Necesité ropa y me visitaron. Estuve enfermo y me atendieron. Estuve en la cárcel y me visitaron. Matthew 25, 31-36. But when Christ comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the shepherds at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the one will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my God, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Please pray with me. Dear God, we just want to thank you for letting us be gathered here today on this lovely day and we ask you to be with us. We pray in your name, amen. I will not light this lamp as a reminder of God's presence here in chapel. And turn in your hymnal um, to number 229, Lord, you have come to the lake shore. Number 229, and we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3, um, and you may join in English or in Spanish.
to number 307, will you let me be your servant? Number 307. Hola, buenos días a todas y a todos. Good morning to all of you. Muchas gracias por estar aquí. Te agradezco tu apertura. Te agradezco tu sensibilidad de escuchar la palabra de Dios y ponerla a la luz de la realidad social. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you for being open and for being sensitive to the word of God and opening it up to the light of social realities. ¿Qué es la migración? ¿Qué tiene que ver la migración en mi vida? 
yo como estudiante que tengo el privilegio de estar eh, preparándome eh, para una carrera y tener una carrera. Como ustedes saben, muchos países pobres de Latinoamérica se les ha impuesto a los hombres, a las mujeres y a los jóvenes como tú a migrar. Por cuestiones políticas, por supuesto, pero también porque en estos pueblos no hay trabajo. En estos pueblos que son ricos en recursos naturales, hay políticas que hacen que haya un flujo de migrantes que tengan que dejar su país, su comunidad, su familia. What is migration? What does migration have to do with your lives? You as students who have the privilege to be preparing yourselves for a career. Um, as you see, there are a great many number of countries in Latin America that are poor. And it, there has been a choice that has been forced upon them on men and women and young people like you who have to migrate. Of course, this is for political reasons, but it's also because there's a lack of jobs in these small towns, these small places that are rich in natural resources. Now there are policies that force this flow of migration and forces people to leave their towns, their families, and their small communities. Todas y todos hemos escuchado de nuestro país, de mi país, México. Un país rico en tradición, en cultura. Y sin embargo, a partir del Tratado de Libre Comercio, que se firmó en 1994, México, con sus muchos estados que tiene, ha forzado o ha impuesto una migración que ha llevado a dejar comunidades solas, donde solamente hay mujeres, niños y ancianos. All of you have heard in this country of the country that I'm from, the country of Mexico, a place that is rich in traditions and cultures. Nevertheless, after the passage of NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement in 1994, Mexico and many of its states have seen people forced to leave a decision that has been imposed upon them. And these migrants have left ghost towns, towns with just women and children and elderly. ¿Y qué nos prometía el Tratado de Libre Comercio? Prosperidad, desarrollo, muchas fuentes de empleo, mejor vida, una dignidad en los hombres, en las mujeres, en los niños, en nuestras comunidades. Eso era lo que prometía el Tratado de Libre Comercio. Sin embargo, eso no fue real. Eso no es verdad. En mi país, las consecuencias, el impacto que tuvo esa, esa firma fue que generó más pobreza, una devastación en los campos de cultivo y, por supuesto, expulsión de muchos hombres y mujeres. But what did the free trade agreement promise? It promised prosperity, it promised development, it promised jobs, it promised a better quality of life for the men and women, a more dignified life for men and women and children who will not have to leave. This is what the free trade agreement promised. Nevertheless, this has not been the reality. Nevertheless, this has not been true. My country has lived the consequences and impacts of the free trade agreement, which have been increased poverty, the destruction of the countryside, and of course, the expulsion of many, many men and women from their communities. Y cuando los hombres de mi país tienen que pedir cinco mil dólares prestados, 
para llegar aquí, se encuentran con una Tijuana que está rodeada de muros. Se encuentran con una frontera donde las políticas migratorias atentan primero contra los derechos humanos, porque hasta peligran su vida. Muchos hombres y mujeres han muerto en el río, en el desierto, buscando el sueño americano, buscando una mejor calidad de vida. Y ante esta realidad social, ¿qué me dice la Palabra de Dios? ¿A qué me invita? Le escuchamos el Evangelio de, de San Mateo. Tuve hambre, me diste de comer. Tuve sed, me diste de beber. La migración hoy por día nos invita a recuperar esta humanidad. Nos invita a recuperar esta compasión. Nos invita a tener ese encuentro con la otra persona. And when men in my country have to take out loans for $5,000 in order to cross over into the United States to pay the smuggling fees, and when they get to Tijuana, when they get to the northern border, they find walls and migration policies that attack their human rights because it puts their lives in danger. There are great many men and women who die trying to cross the river, only looking for a better life, looking for a better quality of life. This is the social reality. And what does, what does the Word of God say about this social reality? What does the Gospel of St. Matthew invite us to do? It said that when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. Uh, migration invites us to recuperate this reality, to recuperate and gain back again this compassion and to be able to encounter the other in our midst. También otros, um, otro impacto que ha tenido esta política migratoria es que eh, cientos de hombres están siendo deportados. En cualquier momento puede llegar a la fábrica, eh, a un centro comercial, lo toman y lo llevan una vez más a México. Y es un hombre donde, que se ve forzado a dejar sus sueños, truncado sus sueños. Esta es otra realidad que deja, pues, eh, estas políticas migratorias. Y ahora quiero platicar un poquito para ya ir cerrando la relación que tiene la migración en mi vida. Another impact of migration policies is that hundreds of men are being deported, and they can be deported at any moment. They'll arrive at the factory where they work, they'll show up at a, a mall or a store, and the next moment they're being whisked away and taken to Mexico. These are men who are being forced to leave their lives at the moment's notice, and they're being forced to leave their dreams only half fulfilled. This is another reality of immigration policies. Now, in order to close what I've been sharing with you today, I want to speak briefly about how uh, migration has had an impact on my life. Si estoy acá es porque Yo viví sus tres momentos muy, muy importantes en mi vida que tienen que ver con la migración. Uno es cuando tenía cuatro años, eh, mi padre, como todos los campesinos de México, eh, tuvo que buscar nuevas formas de vivir, nuevas oportunidades. Y llega acá, eh, cada seis meses venía a trabajar y eh, en uno de sus viajes ya jamás volvió. Simplemente no se supo qué fue de él. Mi madre eh, vino también acá a Estados Unidos a buscarlo, quería saber dónde estaba su esposo. 
Hasta la fecha de hoy yo no sé si mi padre está vivo, muerto o, ¿por qué no?, con otra familia. Ese fue el primer momento que la migración entró a la vida de Jacqueline, a mi propia vida. Por eso estoy acá y puedo hablar de estas consecuencias, de estos impactos a nivel emocional. Yo vi cómo mi madre se desesperaba, eh, le reclamaba la vida y sobre todo vi muchos periodos de depresión que ella estaba viviendo o que vivió por esta ausencia. Y nosotros como hijo, como hija, eh, pues sin la figura paterna, sin el acompañamiento, sin el, 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 el consejo, la mirada de un padre. Esa fue la primera eh, vez que la migración entra a mi vida. If I'm here with you today, it's because I've lived three very strong moments in my life where impact has had a, where migration has had an impact. The first time was when I was four years old and my father, like all small-scale farmers in Mexico, had to look for new forms of life and new opportunities to make a living. So he would come to the United States every six months to find work. One time he left and he never returned. We simply never knew what happened to him. My mother went to the United States to search for him to find out what had happened to her husband. Now I don't know to this date if he's alive or if he's dead or if he found some other family here in the United States. This is the first moment when migration entered into my life and that's the reason I'm here and I can talk about the consequences and the emotional impacts of migration. I saw my mother desperate. I saw my mother who thought her life was over and above all going through moments of deep depression because of the absence of her husband. And for us as children, for me as his daughter, without a father figure, without someone to accompany me when I was a child, without someone to give me advice, without having someone that I could see as a father. This was the first time migration touched my life. La segunda vez fue cuando yo tenía 16 años. Um, vengo con mi madre y mi hermano aquí a Santana, California. Eh, y bueno, para un adolescente como, como lo que yo era, fue como muy difícil el choque cultural porque obviamente no hablaba inglés, obviamente era otro país eh, eh, y también eh, en un laberinto y una mezcolanza de sentimientos, ¿no? ¿Quién soy? ¿Por qué estoy aquí? Eh, ¿Dónde tengo que buscar trabajo? A mis 16 años, por supuesto. Y, eh, eh, sin embargo, esta experiencia me hizo reconocer una infinidad de potencialidades. Eh, estoy bien agradecida con mi estancia acá porque me hice muy sensible a las cuestiones sociales. Entonces, esa fue la segunda ocasión que la migración... Eh, más bien que viví como migrante aquí por cuatro años. The second time migration came up in my life, I was 16 years old, when I came with my mother and my brother to live in Santana, California. And well, the type of young person that I was, I had a really hard time with the culture shock. Obviously, I didn't know the language, I didn't know what I was doing, and I ran across this labyrinth and this mishmash of feelings, questions like, who am I? How am I going to find work? Because, of course, even though I was 16 years old, I had to find work. Nevertheless, it gave me the experience to know an infinity of new realities and new things. And I'm actually very thankful for the time that I spent in the United States because it made me sensitive to social realities. This is the second time migration touched my life when I lived here in the United States as a migrant for four years. Y la tercera vez es en la actualidad. Trabajo en el estado de Veracruz, en México, y trabajo con las familias que se quedan con las familias que tienen un hijo, un esposo, un hermano, una madre, 
yo trabajo con estas familias que se quedan viviendo estos costos emocionales. Y bueno, eh, eh, toda esta pequeña película que he pasado, yo te invito a que la pongas a la luz de la fe, a la luz de la palabra de Dios. ¿A qué me invita esta realidad? ¿Qué me pide Dios ante estas injusticias? ¿Qué puedo dar para buscar un mundo más equitativo, más armonioso, más justo? Tuve hambre, me diste de comer. Tuve sed, me diste de beber. Estuve como forastero, como migrante y me acogiste. A mí me ha quedado muy claro desde mi experiencia que el Dios de la justicia nos invita a eso, a la unidad, a una lucha, a una resistencia contra todo aquello que divida. Son ustedes uh, un país multicultural, bello, hermoso. Y justamente ahí está el reto, salir de nuestro individualismo e ir con ese otro, con ese otro que viene cargando una historia de vida dolorosa. No es un delincuente, no, es una persona que quiere una vida digna, como la que este país puede ofrecer. The third time migration has touched my life is now that I work in Veracruz, the state in southern Mexico, and I work with families that have been left behind. They've been left behind by their sons, their husbands, their brothers, their mothers. I work with the families that stay behind and live daily the emotional costs of migration. These are all small bits of the past, and I think they, I would ask you now to put them into the light of faith and, and before the word of God, and ask yourselves the question, what does this reality invite us to do? What does God's word invite us to do based on these injustices that we see before us? What can we do to make the world we live in more equitable and more just? As the Bible says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was the migrant and you housed me. This is very clear then, and I think my reading of this is that God is actually inviting us to, the God of justice would invite us to take action, to struggle, to resist against all of this that stands against migrants. You all live in a very, very multicultural, beautiful country. And there's the challenge for us to leave our individualism behind and to sit with the other, with the other person who has had a painful life story, a person who is not a criminal, a person who has dignity and who has a dignified life and has come here to the United States seeking it out. Una vida digna siempre y cuando reconozcamos en ese otro esa dignidad humana. Muchas gracias por estar acá. Muchas gracias por tu atención. Muchas gracias eh, por permitirte eh, eh, reflexionar sobre esta, este trozo de la realidad. Hay muchas injusticias sociales, muchísimas, pero hoy hablamos de la migración. Y creo que esta realidad social nos invita eh, a tener una postura ante la vida. Estar como observadores o retomar nuestro papel cristiano en el sentido de, de ver por el otro. Y el ver por el otro es no tener miedo a ese otro. Entonces, eh, hay de dos, ¿no? Eh, una actitud pasiva, que por supuesto es válida, y una actitud donde se recupere eh, eh, 
el poder de este agente social transformador. Pues muchas gracias eh, por la atención y bueno, fue un placer, es un placer estar aquí. Es, tendremos un desayuno después y a las 3.30 tendremos otra charla por si quieres profundizar, si quieres analizar, si quieres externar lo que estás pensando, lo que estás sintiendo. Va a ser a las 3.30, no sé el lugar donde es exactamente, pero eh, te agradezco mucho que estés acá. To close, I speak of a dignified life that, would, that we would recognize the dignity in other human beings. I want to thank you very much for having me here. I want to thank you for the attention you've given me and for allowing me to speak just a little bit about one reality. There are many, many social injustices in our world, many, many. Today, we spoke about migration. And I think social realities invite us to take a stand. We can sit and be observers only, or we can take action. As Christ says in the Christian sense, that we see others as we see ourselves, and we don't allow them to be exploited. I think God is compassionate and asks us to be so, and tells us that we have an that encourages us to have an attitude where we have power to transform the world we live in. So I want to thank you very much for listening to me. It's been a pleasure to be here. We're going to be sharing a meal later on today, and then at 3.30, we're going to have a talk and a chance to go deeper into this issue and analyze and talk about ways that we can act. That's at 3.30 today. I'm not exactly sure where. But I do want to thank you for the time you spent with me today. Please stand and join in your um, blue hymnal number 322, for we are strangers no more. Number 322.
may go in peace. Have a wonderful day.